This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by the Trek Geek Shop. Now you can help support our show and get yourself some cool Star Trek gear at the same time. Check out our line of t-shirts, mugs, hats, and other items for your inner Trek geek at shop.trekgeeks.com. This is Todd Haberkorn, Mr. Spock on Star Trek Continues, and you're listening to the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Let's get ready to podcast! Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Welcome, friends, to yet another episode of Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 76. We're glad to be back. We took a week off because uh, my illustrious and esteemed co-host, who I will introduce in a moment, was out of town a little bit, but I'm sure we'll talk about that. But let's bring him on now. You know, he's another year older Another year wiser, but he certainly isn't any prettier. He's the lovable Dan Davidson. And Dan, happy birthday, buddy. I'm dead sexy. (laughs) Get in my belly. (laughs) Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, It is great to be back. As Johnny Carson would say, we are back. And uh, I'm very happy to be here again. It's uh, it's been a long uh, break, a fun break, but it's always great to sit here and and talk Trek with you and, and uh, let all our listeners hear what we have to say. This is the only day in like three weeks' time where our schedules sync up because you just got back from Walt Disney World and now I'm headed into New Orleans in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, been a busy, uh, it's been a busy summer and, and beginning of fall with all the traveling that we've been doing. We had Vegas and then I had Disney, you're going to New Orleans, and who knows what's up next. Uh, I have stopped trying to predict because um, things just change at a, at a moment's notice. And you're terrible at it? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> Speaking of things I'm terrible at, wow. Dan, why don't you give the contact information so that folks can get in touch with us? Do we have enough time to go over things that you're terrible at? Just read the copy. Okay. Okay, yes, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com or call us at 508-784-1701. You can also leave us a voicemail by going to speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. Uh, plus, as always, you can join our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Lots of great discussion going on over there. Uh, plus, as a bonus, as you know, Bill, you get early access to the Trek Geeks podcast when you're a member of Camp Kittimer. You so do? To join, you do. Isn't that awesome? Wow. Yeah. So to join the group, just go over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and uh, we will let you right in. And please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Bill, 
Thank you, Dan. Wow, two weeks off didn't diminish your mojo. Great job, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> well, Dan, as, as you know, our topic today is the brand new episode from Star Trek Continues Embracing the Winds. And we do just want to tell people right off the bat that this is a spoiler-filled episode. So if you've reached this point in the podcast, you've still got a little bit of time before we start talking about spoilers. But um, at some point, you know, they're going to be fast and furious. Ooh, I like that. Another movie reference thrown at you. are good. I, that was completely unintentional, I assure you, since I'm consuming coffee right now. <laughs> yes, so, there, there will be a lot of spoilers, like you said. Yeah, so we just want to warn everybody up front. We're going to talk about uh, a few things, including the news, in just a bit. So uh, we'll give you another spoiler alert just before we start talking, but we just want to at least let you know. Uh, Dan, as you know, our last episode was our Trek 50 episode. It was a, a show that was a year in the making. We were asking people for the better part of this year to submit their stories. And we finally got to release that episode this week. Um, you didn't hear it before it dropped because you were on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really talked about it. Because you were on vacation. Right. Uh, welcome back, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so before we talk about the response of others, um, what did you think of the episode? Because I pretty much just put it together after you made a couple of comments and just put it out there. Yeah, I, um, I w- we were at Disney, like, like everybody knows, for, for a couple of weeks. And when the episode dropped, I had to actually listen to it in, in pieces. And I was, I was floored by what I heard. Um, from a editing standpoint, first, right off the bat, I want to say you did an absolutely amazing job with this episode. It may have been one of your best, man. The music that you picked to put in this episode, um, underneath all of the people's comments made the episode so much more powerful. I thought it was a fantastic job. Kudos to you. And of course, kudos to the, to the music itself. It's just amazing. Um, but the, the, the comments were, out of this world. I, it, I was, it was, it was very emotional. It was a tear jerking episode. I laughed. I teared up. It was very special. And I am so thankful that all these people called in to give us their very personal messages of what Star Trek means to them and their first Trek moment. I think that, or at least I hope that it was a, a tribute worthy of 50 years worth of star trek history and heritage Mm -hmm. you know we in top of sharing our our very personal stories i mean there were so many great testimonials from from so many other people and i i I think brooke wilkins made this observation on facebook it's interesting that so many of these stories are tied back to family and specifically fathers Mm -hmm. i think that really surprised me when i started to edit it all together yeah, I caught, I caught that as well. There were, there were many, many father, of course, you look at the time frame that, and that does make a little bit of sense of, of, of fathers and, and sons and daughters because of the time of when TOS came out and, and, and the age of, of, of a good number of our listeners. Uh, mine was tied to my brother. I heard a lot of brother stories in there as well. But like Brooke said, a lot of these memories tied directly to bonding relationships with other family members and that's that's one of the things that makes uh, trek so important i think i think so too and i think the other thing that surprised me were that two of the stories specifically 
were people who entered the tent through the JJ movies. Mm-hmm. I was glad that we had stories like that yep. to show that, you know, it's not just the original series and next gen that brings people on to Star Trek. Right. I also did like the fact that there were several people in there that pointed out that DS9 was their favorite. So that was a big thumbs up for me. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> um, I did find one, uh, um, comment on Facebook from our good friend Chris Mumphrey that I really enjoyed. Uh, he said to both of us, thank you. It was without question our best episode to date. Thank you very much, Chris, for that. Um, but what I liked is he said, the Trek 50 project delivered on what it is to be a fan of Star Trek. It's about the people who love this great body of work we all love. And he thanked us very much for allowing our listeners to be a part of it. And I think that's something that, again, I got to give tremendous props to you for. This was your idea to do this for the 50th anniversary. And to have our listeners be involved in a very special episode was a fantastic idea. And it let everybody come together and say what they needed to say about their love of the show. So props to you, buddy. Well, thanks, buddy. I mean, if we peek behind the curtain a little bit and talk about how the sausage is made, um, and I just totally mixed metaphors there. Um <laughs> When I first brought this idea to you about a year ago, I I don't think you quite understood my vision. Is that safe to say? It's safe to say because I wasn't sure exactly what response we would get, I think. Um it was and for me personally, it it was oh gosh, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Um so I had to think about those specific moments, which I was able to do. Um but I wasn't exactly sure how it would mesh together and how it would come about. But the more we talked about it and the more we started bringing listeners into it and saying, hey, give us a call, leave us a voicemail, I'm like, wow, this is going to be really special. And and especially after Vegas, after being with all our friends out there, that's when it really hit home that this is going to be a special episode, and it truly was. I have to say the only piece of music I knew I was going to use was Ilea's theme from Star Trek The Motion Picture, mm-hmm. which is what started the recollections. Yes. From there, I got incredibly lucky because there were times when people were talking about the trouble with Tribbles, <laughs> and the music from the trouble with Tribbles was playing. Yeah, it was good. Or, or Norman Lau was talking about Star Trek Two, and the Star Trek Two music was playing. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, and that theme is playing. So yeah. I, I lucked out in doing the edit as far as the music went and that actually was your idea was to use music yeah so i have to give you props for that because i think it changed the entire tone and the intent of the episode so that that really was a great suggestion by you and it it added so much more oh thanks man i i, I appreciate it i think the music in star trek is its own specific character and i love listening to it no matter what i'm doing i can always have Star Trek music playing, and I th- I thought that it would just bring a lot more um, to these very personal messages. And your editing and putting that music in totally did that. So uh, so nice job. Well, and that episode would be nothing without everybody who participated. So so genuinely, I mean, this for us is an episode we're incredibly proud of, um, almost as much as our Nimoy tribute mm-hmm. from from last year. But uh, it doesn't happen without everybody who called in and sent their message. So truly, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you to everybody who contributed. And uh, we hope you all enjoyed the 50th anniversary. I did.
Well, Dan, it's time for the news from our good friends at treknews.net. <laughs> that wasn't a good one. <laughs> Coming in very weakly over subspace are the most interesting stories from our friends at treknews.net, many of which happened where you were all out of town. Oh, my God. So much happened. I'm like, I'm, I'm watching things briefly as I'm running in between rides. and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Lots of stuff to talk about. There is, and up front is probably the biggest story of them all. There's a new premiere date for Star Trek Discovery, and it's not January. It is not January, and I'm actually very, I'm actually very happy about this. CBS has announced that they're going to delay Star Trek Discovery until May of 2017. Um, there is a great article on uh, ver- a whole bunch of new sites, of course, treknews.net, that um, th- there's a specific reason for this. And I think the reason is a sound reason and a good reason for those who want a quality Star Trek episode or Star Trek series. I think so, too. You know, I- I've heard some rumblings that it could be related to the production schedule of other shows in Toronto. Um, I've heard a great number of things, but ultimately... I- I think that's okay regardless of the reason because I'd rather them take the time to put out something that's worthy of the name Star Trek mm-hmm. than to rush it and have it feel and look rushed. Exactly. Uh, we do, we've we seen that. I think that's happened in other shows that are rushed. Uh, Alex Kurtzman and Brian Fuller had a joint statement, and they ended it with, Star Trek deserves the very best, and these extra few months will help us achieve a vision we can all be proud of. And I don't think that's fluff. I think that's honest, and I think it's going to help make the show even better than we already think it's going to be. I think so, too. And, and CBS President Les Moonves said something very similar in his statement on a... Uh I think it was a shareholder call the next day or something like that. Um, so may I'm okay with it. You know, it's, <laughs> I haven't subscribed to CBS all access yet. So save a few um, bucks. Yeah. Save a few bucks. And it gives me more time to get as good as you being an executive producer. Well, that's the other thing. So this pushes back our new podcast, Talking Trek, to May of 2017 because it is a companion podcast to Star Trek Discovery. Mm hmm. Uh, the one that will be executive produced Oof. by the legendary Dan Davidson. I wouldn't say. Well, yeah, I would say legendary. <laughs> <laughs> so Talking Trek will premiere when Discovery premieres. That'll give us some time to to play around with the format a little. It'll be a little different from Trek Geeks. Right. Um, and plus, it'll have your mellifluous tone. Ooh, little role reversal it. there. I know. I don't so think Dan, I can sound as bad as you, though. No one can. (laughs) So, Dan, also while you were away, I spent a lot of time playing a particular game on my Xbox. This one really surprised me. Um, Star Trek Online Online is now available on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. We knew it was coming. I did not know it was going to be coming as fast as it did. And I know I was in line uh, at Splash Mountain when I first saw that news. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I went a week and a half without being able to do anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, when we got home back to back to sunny and and frigid Maine, when you're dealing with 95 degrees down in Florida every day, uh, one of the first things I did was I spun up my Xbox one and downloaded the game. And last night I made a very, fast character if anybody wants to play trek with trek geek dan he's out there right now in star trek online and uh it looks good so far i only played for about 10 minutes but uh so far i'm liking what i see so what ship are you the captain of the uss coconut of course (laughs) (laughs) 
Nice. I'm an Andorian. Oh, very cool. Yes. Yep. I am a human, and I'm the captain of the USS Arapaho. A nod to my uh, my Colorado years and to my Colorado friends. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It, it looks like it's going to be really good. They had a lot of things that they had to change from the computer version because there's not as many, you know, buttons and, and keys and everything with the controllers. But uh, so far, so good what I've seen. I'm hoping to play a little bit over the next couple of days. Of course, I've been unpacking and getting settled back in. But uh, at least now I have something to look forward to to play on Xbox for a while. And you will be might be able to catch up to me while I'm out of town. Well, that, what are you, level two? You said you've been uh, playing for, what, a week and a half? I think I'm eight. Eight? Woo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go get him, Tiger. Wow. <laughs> hey, some of us had to work. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's right. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, Dan, in other news, it appears that there's a possibility that the new voice of the computer in Star Trek Discovery could be a very familiar one. Yeah, this would be, this would be so awesome if this was, if this was possible. Uh, Roddenberry tweeted out that Majel's voice is recorded phonetically and they're working to get her voice for things such as Siri and maybe even the voice of the computer on Star Trek Discovery. How awesome would that be to have that familiar voice back on a starship with a new series when it debuts in May? I'm just floored. I really am because I never thought that that might be possible. You might even switch to an Apple if you can get it as Siri's voice. I do have an iPad. Well, I uh, might uh, use it for that, but I would wait for the uh, <laughs> for the Android version because you know at some point that would happen. Yes, I think it's just fantastic that they're even thinking about doing this. Um, it's such an iconic sound uh, from several of the series uh, and the movies. Uh, it would be a great tribute to to Majel and and to the entire Roddenberry family. And and I know that I can't think of anybody who would not want something like this to happen. I, I agree with you entirely. I. I think that fans overwhelmingly would love this. I think it would just add to the Star Trek lore. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would set an interesting precedent. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I, I think that it would be a beautiful thing. And I know somewhere Majel would, would absolutely love it. We shall see. Fingers crossed. And Dan, lastly in news today, I mean, we talked a lot about earlier this year, the new uh, TOS communicator with Bluetooth capability from the wand company. Mm -hmm. But there's a new Bluetooth toy coming that I think I might have to drop some coin on. We were talking about it when the TOS commuter came out, that communicator came out that, wow, you, you got to wonder, are they going to come out with a TNG version? Well, ThinkGeek has unveiled that they are indeed going to have a Bluetooth Star Trek The Next Generation com badge uh, available. When is it going to be available? But I think in November is when it's going to be coming out. It's going to be $80, so a little less expensive than the TOS communicator, but uh, you're going to be able to connect it up with Bluetooth to your phone and tap your chest Riker style and, and start making those phone calls, man. Except for the times when they didn't tap their chest and it just recognized that they were calling the Enterprise, which I never understood. I didn't either, but I can just see you walking down the hallway as Riker and then just tapping your chest and saying something to somebody <laughs> record enterprise <laughs> come in enterprise That's what i what i hope they do um is once this is released of course it's going to be very popular make a deep space nine one people because you know that there'll be at least one person on this podcast who'd pick that up uh two yes actually <laughs> the, the com badge that is frequently misidentified as the voyager combat exactly that one yeah which actually started in first contact right but okay yes just checking. Okay. You're, you're, uh, you're smart, man. 
you know, I, I'm putting a little Trek in the Trek geek today. Well, Dan, this has been a long time coming, and before we go any further, we should warn folks that once again, here be spoilers. Here be spoilers. <laughs> kind of like a Pirates of the Caribbean sound to it. That, that was for you. Thank you. If So if you're going to listen from here on in, know that we're going to talk about specific episode details from the new Star Trek Continues episode, Embracing the Winds. Um, so if you have not watched Embracing the Winds at this point, pause now. Go watch Embracing the Winds, either at StarTrekContinues.com or or YouTube or Vimeo or any one of those sites. And then come back and listen to our take on this episode. But it's definitely one we, we don't think you should miss. And now we're going to get into those reasons. So, Dan. Sir. Um, this happened just before you went to Disney, right? Uh, it was released the Friday night before I left, and we left on Saturday. So, yes. Uh, wow. Yeah. Talk about, oh, my God, why is this happening now? <laughs> <laughs> Do I go to Disney? Do I watch Star Trek Continues? It was really a tough decision. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep. And um, I see which one you chose, super fan. Yeah, but I watched it like four times down there. So. <laughs> I was up to like one in the morning watching it. <laughs> well, in the interest of disclosure, we were there for one day of this episode shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the bridge scenes, or some of the bridge scenes, I should say. Yep. And uh, that was the second of our two days on set at Star Trek Continues. So we've known a little bit about this episode for a, a while, but we have not known about the bulk of what this episode contained until we saw it. Exactly. What we saw was actually what I guess you could call the B story in this episode. Um, and we still didn't know a lot of the details about that plot line. But it was pretty cool to still be there, of course, watching uh, the scenes get filmed, uh, having some great guest stars on the bridge at the time. Um, it really was a magical moment. And now being able to see it, uh, similar to what we saw with episode with the last episode uh, coming up between the dragons, it really is cool to see the finished product. It really is. And you mentioned episode details, and we're about to get into those now. Dan... It's time for your spoiler-tastic three-minute recap of Embracing the Winds. Are you ready for this challenge, sir? Three minutes? Really? Three minutes. <laughs> I want you to hit your stopwatch because I'm thinking I've, I've five. got it ready. Okay. I've got it ready. I'm ready. Okay. And in three, two, one, go. Kirk and Spock are called to Corinth 4 by Commodore Gray. The USS Hood has lost all hands due to an anomaly that caused life support failure. The fleet is short on Constitution-class starships, and Spock is chosen to be the new captain of the Hood, much to the surprise of Captain Kirk. But it's not going to be an easy transition, as first thought. Commander Diana Garrett has filed a protest with Starfleet that she's been overlooked as being chosen as the new captain of the Hood simply because she's female. Commodore Gray explains to Kirk and Spock that since the Corridon admission to the Federation, the Tellarites have been threatening to pull out of the Federation. Due to the thin military presence of Starfleet, no one wants to ruffle the Tellarite's pig feathers by selecting a female as captain of a Constitution-class starship, because Tellarite's backward society does not recognize females in roles of authority. Garrett arrives on Coranth 4 and is interviewed by Kirk. 
He brings up an incident in her record where the USS Constitution was attacked on Nimbus 3 and the captain was killed. Garrett completely clams up and says she will not discuss the matter and her comments are already part of the official record. She leaves Kirk's office while Kirk is visibly stunned. Meanwhile, the Enterprise has been assigned to retrieve the USS Hood and tow her back home. Scotty is in command, and Chekhov is able to restore life support to the engineering section so that a landing party can survey what happened. He wants to go on the landing party too, but Scotty says no. Uhura then gives Chekhov some advice to pick an area of expertise instead of trying to be a jack-of-all-trades. Back on Corinth 4, Spock is dealing with some unfamiliar emotions. He believes that the cost of angering the Tellarites is too much, yet he's deeply troubled at possibly leaving the Enterprise. He and Dr. McKenna have a conversation about how difficult it was for her to become counselor of the Enterprise, and although some felt the position was unneeded, she also understood that some people thought it was a bad idea because she was a woman. Humans, and all races, are capable of such bias, Spock says. Later, it appears that the interview between Kirk and Garrett must have really pissed the commander off quite a bit because she has requested a formal hearing and have the selection take place immediately. The tribunal will be led by Commodore Gray, Admiral Stom of Vulcan, and Captain Kirk himself. Spock takes a stand first and has a somewhat testy exchange with Stom regarding whether emotion played a part in Spock turning down attending the Vulcan Science Academy. Later, Kirk announces that he is 100% convinced that it is time for a woman to be in command of a Constitution-class starship, but he's not convinced it should be Commander Garrett. Garrett takes a stand, and Commodore Gray brings up the Nimbus 3 incident and how human error may have played a role. Garrett bristles at that and accuses a Tellarite official of making those claims, which she strongly denies. Gray brings up the fact that there are several such incidents in her file where Garrett's actions have been questionable, as well as her response to such incidents. She's an outstanding officer, but she also has a history of being hostile when her judgment is brought into question, and that is not the making of a Starfleet captain. Garrett continues to insist that she was never in the wrong, which troubles the three senior members of the tribunal. Back on the hood, the engines mysteriously restart and a massive power surge starts building. Transporters are useless due to the hood shields being up, and the warp core cannot be ejected. Scotty orders the Enterprise to get to a safe distance, but Chekhov has an idea. He's going to try to use the deflector dish to send an algorithm to the hood and order the computers to bring down shields. Scotty protests because it will short out the entire station Chekhov is working on and quite possibly kill him in the process. Chekhov sends the signal anyway, but is electrocuted while it happens. But it works. The shields are down, the crew is beamed aboard, and the Enterprise warps away as the hood explodes in a giant warp core breach. Back on the Starbase, the hearing is back in session. Both Spock and Garrett have nothing further to add to the hearing, and Admiral Stom chooses Garrett to command the USS Hood. Gray chooses Spock. And just as Kirk is about to give his decision, the hearing is interrupted by a communique from the Enterprise that the hood has been destroyed. In light of these events, the proceedings are no longer necessary. However, Garrett needs to discuss the fact that for decades, officers have been overlooked simply because they are women, whether due to Tellarite society beliefs or not. Starfleet has the opportunity to change. To change our values, she says. To change the future. There are countless women ready to command starships. It may not be her time, she says, but it is most certainly theirs. 
back on the Enterprise in sickbay, Scotty comes in to threaten Chekhov with a court-martial before he smiles and hands him a box with promotion stripes. He's now Lieutenant Chekhov for saving the crew with his inspirational idea. Prefix codes will be installed on all starships as a result. The only thing left to figure out is what exactly happened on the hood both times. Nobody has any idea what happened. Back on Starbase, Kirk is talking with the Tellarite ambassador, and before he gets the chance to bring up the issue, the ambassador says that his society's beliefs are outdated and there is already a faction of people rising up to bring change to their government. The ambassador is a member of this faction, and he looks forward to the winds of change that will be coming. Kirk thanks the ambassador and advises him to embrace the winds. As Kirk is getting ready to leave Starbase, he has a brief conversation with Garrett, who thanks him for the opportunity and hopes that one day, perhaps, there will be a Garrett in command of the Enterprise. Spock arrives and advises the captain that he is actually relieved that the hood was destroyed. He wanted to know how Kirk would have voted, and he says that Kirk says that he considered removing, excuse me, Spock considered removing himself as a candidate so that he would not have to leave the Enterprise, while Kirk revealed that he considered chaining Spock to his station so that he couldn't leave. With a smile, Kirk advises the Enterprise that both officers will be returning to the Enterprise, to home, just in time for dinner. Great job, buddy. Um... The your three minute recap took an official six minutes and twenty eight seconds. Ooh. Well done. I said five, so eh, I guess I don't get the uh, Price is Right game winnings either. No, no, the the special prize rolls over for another time. One of these days you'll hit three minutes. Oh, it's hard. I, I doubt it, though. Wow, <laughs> that's that's faith of the heart. Faith of the heart. Yeah, heart. heart. Yeah. So Dan, this this episode. Sets out to right a wrong initially set in the final episode of the original series. Yes. We've talked about this a lot too, man, over the years, haven't we? We have. I mean, you know, in hearing about other fan films and, and some of their plans, you know, there have been women captains. And the first thing we would do is say, but wait, you know, Turnabout Intruder says there are no women starship captains. Right. Which strikes me as very untrek. But, I mean, it's important to point out at this point that Gene had almost no involvement in season three of the original series. Mm -hmm. So it's not surprising that that detail could have made Star Trek, because I don't think it ever would have happened in season one or two. No, I don't think so either. Uh, we also have to remember back then, I mean, we talk about in this episode that the Tellarites have a backwards thinking in society. Back in the 60s, it was exactly the same. Uh, just completely ridiculous that that females couldn't have positions of power. And so they, they brought that into this script in turn about Intruder, I think. Um, but I do agree that if Gene was there and had any control, it would not have happened. But it did make – it has made for very interesting conversation over the last 50 years because of that one episode. I don't think we saw a female captain in official Trek and still, until Star Trek four. Right. Um, so that's a long time coming for, for that to happen. We've and had many conversations over the years about Janice Lester's claims and was she accurate? Was that really the case? And, and this episode does a fantastic job of explaining why that was the case back during the original five year mission and before that. 
Well, there's even disagreement among some Trek fans as to whether or not women really could be captains at that time. And I saw some of that on Facebook just this week. Mm -hmm. You know, but I think we have to look at the dialogue of that snippet of the scene and not just Janice's line. So it starts off with Janice saying, you know, the year we were together at Starfleet is the only time in my life that I was alive. And Kirk says, I never stopped you from going on with your space work. Janice follows up with, your world of starship captains doesn't admit women. It isn't fair. And then Kirk says, no, it isn't. And you punished and tortured me because of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that sets out clearly that Starfleet's policy is women cannot be starship captains. This isn't Kirk's world she's talking about. It's the world that Kirk is in, which I think is something very different. I agree, and, and it, it it shows the the huge flaw in the thinking of the time, I think, and I mean in the 60s. Um, that's the thing that always stands out to me in regards to this this uh, discussion is the, the thinking of things back then. Um, but you're right. It is definitely it's not it's not Kirk. It's not Kirk's fault. But she made it out to be Kirk's fault. Um, and I think that embracing the winds does a phenomenal job of addressing this in a way that gives clarity to why Turnabout Intruder had those points in it. Well, and I think it gives us an interesting dilemma. You know. Not only is it time for women to be starship captain, but should it be this woman's time? And I think that, you know, Vic and, and James Kerwin have succeeded in creating a character that kind of muddies that water a little bit. Should this person be in command? So I think it adds some great drama to this episode. I think it adds some really interesting character turns for everybody involved, from Kirk and Spock right down to Commodore Gray and Admiral Stom, mm -hmm. and even Diana Garrett. You know, it's she's a very three-dimensional character, even with her potential flaws. I'll tell you the what I found about it is the like you said, it added great drama. It also added tremendous tension to the episode. You could see how people became very uncomfortable whenever she would just clam up about any incident that she didn't want to discuss. Claire did a brilliant job of bringing that character to life and really making it difficult for you to want her to be in command, I thought. I agree with you entirely. Um, in fact, I think all of the casting of this episode is is pretty spot on. I have to say, I love seeing Aaron Gray yes. back in Star Trek Continues for a a, certainly more of a substantive role than her last turn. Yes. And honestly, Bo Billingsley was great as a Vulcan. He was, he was phenomenal. I brought one, some of the, one of the notes that I jotted down was, is I got to give huge props to Vic and his team for bringing in these people that are so amazing and have great ties to nerd culture. We've seen it before. Lou Ferrigno from The Incredible Hulk, Claire Kramer in this episode, who was big in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Bo Billingsley, uh, he was fantastic for just the short amount of time that he was in um, Star Trek in uh, Into Darkness as Captain Abbott. It was great to see somebody who's been in a Star Trek production be in Star Trek Continues. I thought he was great as a Vulcan ambassador, or uh, admiral rather. And then the three most important words of that list are Colonel Wilma Deering. Yeah, that's you right. Know, yes. There's not a man our age that didn't absolutely fawn over Aaron Gray yes. as a as a preteen. Yeah, space vampires. <laughs> space vampires. <laughs> you know, the other thing this episode has going for it 
are strong A and B plots. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the last several episodes of Continues have been very uh, action oriented to some extent, um, or at least eh, not not like action movies, but. The action has driven a lot of what has happened on the screen, even in Come Not Between the Dragons, mm -hmm. to some extent. I agree. Because they're chasing this creature through the Enterprise. I mean, we learn there's deeper meaning there, but you know, there have been, you know, sort of edge of your seat sort of stories. And this one is a much more character focused conflict. And I think it's a refreshing change of pace. I think it is too. As a matter of fact, there's there's no action in this episode whatsoever when you think about it. Right. Um, if you want to talk about maybe, you know, the, the, the incident with the hood and, and the, and the warp core explosion, but that's not action as I would term action that we've seen in the previous few episodes of, of STC. Um, they've done a great job on both drama and action episodes. And this one was focused specifically on drama and it attacked a, question that we have all had for a long time i agree with you i um i think it handled both plots rather adeptly and found a way to tie them together that i think worked really well yes and it, it keeps things going um and it keeps questions coming uh like what happened to the hood i mean this they they're very good at at I don't want to say cliffhangers. It's, that's not the right way to put it, but uh, they definitely leave things out there for you. Uh, it happened with Lolani. What was going to happen with Orion Society later down the road? And they briefly talk about that at the beginning of this episode when they're in the shuttlecraft on the way to Starbase. Well, it, it, let's talk about the hood for a few minutes. Okay. You know, because what the hell happened? Yeah. <laughs> so we start the episode not knowing what happened to the hood. We finish the episode not knowing what happened to the hood. And we've lost a starship and a crew in the process. Right. This makes me wonder what it bodes for the future. And you have to wonder, is it also related to what happened to, oh, what was the starship that at the beginning of the last episode they lost due to an anomaly? Um, there were no hands lost, but the ship was destroyed. Right. Um, so is, is that tied together? What's going on? There's a lot of weird things happening, uh, in Starfleet right now in regards to losing ships. So are these breadcrumbs for the future? Mm -hmm. Are these related incidents? Is this an alien threat yeah. or is this an anomaly? I think that there's, it sounds like there's the buildings of a separate plot entirely happening here. Right. Uh, it, it certainly looks that way. And it'll be interesting if we are able to see uh, what happens and what the ideas are as to what this threat possibly could have be in years four and five of the original mission. Definitely. Um, let's talk about some other general story and plot points. Um, the first thing I noticed about this this episode of Continues is that there are a lot of nods to Star Trek V. There are a lot of nods to a lot of Star Trek in this, but you're right. There are several to Star Trek V. You know, we've got Nimbus Three, which Diana Garrett was involved in an incident on, which winds up becoming the, the planet of galactic peace. Mm -hmm. There's the moment between Scotty and Uhura yes. on the hood, which makes you think that, you know, there's something there. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, as a matter of fact, that's exactly what I typed in my, in my Easter egg section of my notes is that, when they were going to die, Scotty and Ahura shared what I perceive to be, quote, a moment 
And we saw yeah. that happen in Star Trek V when Uhura was under the spell, so to speak, of Cybok. Um, very, very interesting. Now, I will, I will also want to point out it's actually quite funny. The bloopers for this episode have been released. And there is a, a very funny blooper of that, this specific scene between Scotty and Uhura, which, <laughs> which also ties together to Star Trek V, maybe. I don't know, but it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, I agree with you. The bloopers are great. If you haven't seen them, you should head on over to StarTrekContinues.com and check them out. Um, also, the warp effect of the Enterprise escaping the uh, mm-hmm. the warp core explosion of the hood was very Star Trek V. It was very Star Trek V. I like the sound to it, all the sound. And, and the, I got to say, more props to the visual effects for Star Trek Continues because they handled that very well. The explosion was was uh, was very realistic, I thought. Yeah, I thought it looked f- fantastic. Yeah. It really did. Um, you mentioned some other Star Trek crossovers or Easter eggs. Yeah. Obviously, there's Star Trek II with the prefix code. Right. Which other ones you got? I got a bunch. Um, right in the very beginning, uh, when they're in the shuttlecraft, Sulu's talking about his love of ancient weaponry. Uh, and we know about that when he's wielding the the, the sword uh, in Season 1's um, uh, Naked, The Naked Time. Uh, I thought that was a, a subtle reference. The big reference that I just actually texted you about it when I had seen it was the George Takei reference that Sulu has in the shuttlecraft, talking about his great, 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 great grandfather, who was a prisoner in an internment camp during World War II. I thought that was a fantastic honor to George Takei to have that in this episode. I, I agree with you entirely. I thought that it was a super amazing nod to to George and a really good character detail for Sulu to bring some of real American history into the 23rd century. Exactly. Um, We talked about the prefix code. Uh, Of course, uh, anyone who loves yesterday's Enterprise uh, got the reference of uh, Commander Garrett, hoping that someday there would be a Garrett in command of the Enterprise. Where I'm pretty sure, I'm 99% sure that's a direct reference to Captain Rachel Garrett, who is in charge of the Enterprise C. Of course it is. Um, I thought that was a great, uh, a great Easter egg. I also thought was a very subtle Easter egg was when Garrett was getting read all of her, uh, awards and commendations, the Tucker Memorial Medal of Honor was mentioned. Yes. That's gotta be in reference to Trip. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic that they did that. Um, there were some references to past episodes of Star Trek Continues that I thought were really good. Security Chief Drake's robotic arm when Scotty couldn't get the dilithium chamber open. You just saw his little <laughs> hand was open good. right up. That was great. Uh, as already mentioned, the references of uh, Zamenheim, uh, the Zamenheim incident, as Dr. McKenna called it from the Lolani episode. Zamenheim? 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 <laughs> you starting to sound like a Cab Calloway song. <laughs> I, I have it typed wrong. I'm sure of my notes. That's why I'm. In, that's why I'm not saying it right. Uh, Zamenhan. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now, and this is this is already part of canon, but I really, I really liked the discussion between Spock and Stom and what happened with Spock in the Vulcan Science Academy. It immediately made me think of the 2009 reboot movie when Spock. Zachary Quinto Spock turned down admission to join Starfleet, even though it's already been referenced. We'd never actually seen that happen until the 2009 reboot. So I was thinking of that right off the bat. I thought that was good. I have to agree with you. I thought that that channeled that scene in the 2009 Star Trek very well. Yeah. It at least told me that 
those events are the same in both the Prime and Kelvin timelines. Yep. Yeah, I got an alarm going off behind me, so we're just going to ignore it. <laughs> I think my wife's <laughs> cooking bacon. <laughs> wow. Who doesn't love bacon? I know, really. Um, that's one of the things that I think that STC has done brilliantly um, during this run of episodes are these hidden Easter eggs. We saw a Zindi reference once before, which I just thought was amazing. They are able to bring all of the series together um, and have references that, People will understand, and even as subtle as they are, they stand out so largely to people. I, I agree with you. Um, let's talk about the advent of the prefix code in this episode, because we know it had to start somewhere, and we both saw Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. We're like, oh, cool, but you know, 30-plus years later, we're like, a prefix code? Yeah. Where did that come from? Right. How long has this been a known thing? And Star Trek Continues finally answers that question for us. And I'm glad they did it in a way um, that gave credit to the character of Chekhov. Um, we've seen in several episodes now of STC that he's trying to, you know, someone's trying to earn his stripes, as Sulu said in the last episode. He's trying to do too much, and, and I, you got to give thanks to Uhura for having him focus on something. So I think this incident is going to be that focus. And now we're going to see what happens with the rest of his career, which we already know. Um, but brilliant, brilliant uh, writing to have this incident, have Chekhov come up with the idea of sending an algorithm to another ship to lower shields. I think so too. I, it makes me wonder, you know, how Chekhov gets from there to the Reliant. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's an interesting set of stories to tell at some point, somehow. Yes. And it'll be interesting to see what, it's a very good point that you bring up. He's first officer on the Reliant. Uh, and to see him go through, rise up through the ranks as quickly as he does between this episode when he becomes lieutenant to becoming first officer on a starship, I guess his career from this point really starts to take off based on the fact that he's now focusing on something. I agree. You know, you figure at this point, Chekhov was the navigator. Mm -hmm. and yeah, let me stop for a second. <laughs> because you know all those Facebook quizzes that say, you know, who's your favorite right. science officer? Well, you know, at STLV, I think, uh, or maybe it was Mission New York, you know, they did a favorite security officer. <laughs> and Chekhov always shows up on this list. And I'm sorry, but Chekhov is not the security officer. No. He's the navigator. Yep. He becomes kind of the security officer in TMP and mm -hmm. tactical. Yep. But in this episode, we see his feet firmly planted in one specialty, perhaps, and that's tactical. And I think that's good for the evolution of that character. I agree. Uh, I've always, I always laugh at the scene where basically Chekhov just, you know, pushes the button to fire the torpedo in TMP. Uh, but this is a good jumping point for that, I suppose. Torpedoes <laughs> away! <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Very well Thank done. You. <laughs> if I can distort that in the edit, I will. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chekhov's promotion is a very good thing. Interesting that Scotty gives him the promotion. Um, but I think that it was a really good moment between those two characters. I think so, too. I actually like the idea of Scotty giving him the promotion because he's the one that was in command of the landing party that they all almost died. And you could tell on the ship, Scotty was really... Uh, he was just put out of the fact that he was in charge of a landing party that they were all about to die, and he felt solely responsible for it. You could see the look in his eye uh, when he said, I'm sorry to Uhura. Uh, yeah. So to have him be able to uh, give that promotion to Chekhov was, 
I thought pretty special. Of course, he wasn't commanding the Enterprise at the time, so uh, it, it made sense. I liked it. Me too. Uh, before we move on to what I think is the big question of the episode, let's talk about some great character moments mm -hmm. and some of at least our favorites. There are great moments between Kirk and Spock in this episode that solidify their friendship. I mean, we have always seen the the friendship and the admiration between Shatner Kirk and Nimoy Spock. And I think that Minyana Kirk and Habercorn Spock really do a nice job of continuing that friendship in this episode. It's genuine. It's real. There's warmth there. And it's thoroughly believable. It is. They are very good at adding new layers to the friendship as well. Uh, I've said before that, that Vic, Todd, and, and all of the cast of STC, for me, when I see Vic Minyana as Captain Kirk, I don't see Vic Mignogna playing William Shatner as Captain Kirk. I see Vic Mignogna as Kirk. The same right. for Spock. And that that um, cohesiveness that they have in scenes when they're discussing things, you can see the friendship, the real-life friendship, uh, as well as the friendship between the characters. It's very easy to play friends when you're friends in real life, and it's definitely something that you see in this episode in many scenes. There are also great moments in this episode between Spock and McKenna. And she is teaching him things about himself, which I find really fascinating. We always think of Spock as a really well-developed character. We think of Nimoy Spock that way in particular, and that, you know, he's he's fully in charge of, of his experience as a half-human, half-Vulcan. But in every episode now, there have been little interactions between Spock and McKenna. But the ones in this episode, I think, are golden. The episode, uh, the the scene uh, when Spock was in his quarters meditating, and McKenna calls, and they're just talking over the monitor, is my favorite scene of this episode. Yeah, that relationship is building in ways that you never would have expected. It shows the importance of a starship counselor. Um, it adds new character layers to Spock that I never would have expected to see. Normally, I would have expected Spock to just cut the communication when he said he was in deep meditation and that was it. But he pauses and then asks for advice for Dr. McKenna. The relationship between these two is very subtle in the episodes, but it's extremely strong. And I think it's very important for the character of Spock. I think it's the subtlety of that relationship that makes it so important. Mm -hmm. Because Spock's emotions, because he does have them, let's be honest about right. it, are so subtle because they're so under the surface and sometimes just barely. I think he, I think Todd as Spock does a phenomenal job of letting those emotions show just a little, but only when he's really talking with McKenna, which I think shows the relationship between the two is a strong one. Um I also want to throw out props to Michelle because she was great in this episode um, as a counselor. Uh, she did a great job helping Spock, you know, work through some of the troubles that he was feeling in regards to this possible promotion. Uh, she had little screen time. Um, and actually, she had screen screen time because she was on the monitor. But uh, it was another great performance by her as well as everybody in the show. I agree with you entirely. Um, it was a relationship I, I think works really well and it seems natural. Very. You know, it, it doesn't seem like it's specific to just TOS. I think of this relationship 
in the whole of building the character of Spock, and I can see that it's a relationship that has become important to the character. Right. Uh, I think I mentioned it before, but um, Todd's taking of this character and building upon it has really taken off. It's there's no way that you can that you can play the character of Spock without people trying to say what you're doing wrong because Nimoy wouldn't have done it this way. Right. I think Todd has done a great job of taking the character of Spock as played by Nimoy and not only creating, being the character himself, he's built on that character in ways that we would never have expected. And that scene that we just talked about is a perfect example of that. For him to admit to the captain that he was thinking of stepping back, stepping down as a candidate simply because he didn't want to leave the Enterprise, that's a human emotion. And I don't know if we would have seen that with a, with a Nimoy Spock. So this new layer of Spock's character as brought by Todd, uh, is very interesting and it's, it's very, it's very good to see. I think it shows that he does have those emotions under the skin. Um, and he, he's can be flawed, I guess is a good way to put it. He said he was ashamed of wanting to, uh, of the destruction of the hood being something that was relieving to him because now he didn't have to leave the enterprise. That was a great uh, moment between Kirk and Spock too. There is a beautiful bridge building between the original series Spock and movie Spock. Mm. And I think Todd is navigating that course extremely well. You know, we're seeing a much more rounded Spock that is not really comfortable in his own skin, but is adjusting well to his environment among humans. Right. So, you know, another, you know, relationship that I think surprised me and, and made me smile a little was Uhura's relationship as a sort of de facto mentor to Chekhov. You know, all too often, you know, Hora says hailing frequencies open, but in this, it's it's her who kind of gets Chekhov to focus and say, you know, look, if you want to go forward in Starfleet in your career, you you can't be a jack of all trades, right? And this is this isn't the first time that we've seen her do this with him. Last episode, he was kind of put out because he wasn't able to do something that he wanted to do to try to help, and and uh, she said it's nothing personal, Pavel. Um, so, uh, what was that this episode? I mixed them together, but I know there was a, there was something in the last episode similar to what happened in this one. She does a good job of that. And you gotta, you gotta wonder, uh, did we see anything specific with that with when the shell was playing a horror? I don't remember anything like that. I, I don't necessarily either, but I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I don't either. I think it's a you good, know. another building block. Yeah. And that, you know, that's it with these portrayals and this writing. There are building blocks for every character to carry them through to complete the mission. And there's little nuggets here and there and there's, you know, big leaps and bounds in other places. And I think it's doing a, a great job of creating well-rounded characters that become the people we meet again in the motion picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see if we get to see what happens how they get to that point. So, Dan, let's talk about what I think is the central question in this episode, or at least certainly one of the most thought-provoking. Uh, looking at, you know, Claire's portrayal of Garrett, you know, she is painting a character that has some obvious flaws, but has some exceptional abilities. Clearly, 
the time has come for a woman starship captain, but should Garrett have been given command of the hood? My answer is an emphatic no. Why? Because she is unwilling to learn from her mistakes. She thinks that she doesn't do anything wrong. Um, and she made it clear that, that even if she didn't do anything wrong, she's not going to let anybody suggest it. There's always the possibility that she could have done something wrong, no matter how small the it was, but for her to just emphatically deny that anything happened, she did nothing wrong, and there's no way that she's going to let anybody tell her differently. That's a flaw. If you're going to be a starship captain, you have to be a you have to be willing to listen, uh, and then make the decision. She's making the decision before anything else can even be done. I thought. Are we setting the bar? And th- this is not necessarily to to counterpoint. This is just sort of a an off the top of my head question. Aren't we setting the bar so high that Starfleet captains should be perfect? I don't think Do so. Think? No, really? I don't think so at all. But you can't have the attitude and mindset that she does or seems to have in this episode and just be like, oh, all right, well, you'll be okay. You can be captain because he's going to get a crew killed. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought the point, um, that, Kirk made that he was 100% convinced that a woman should be a captain, but was not convinced that it should be her was extremely accurate in my mind. I did not think based on, on the way that she reacted, the, 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 the physical reaction when Kirk brought up the Nimbus three incident was like, really, you're going to bristle at that when somebody's just bringing up a conversation of something took place in the past. Did Kirk do that when they, when the space vampire cloud incident took place he had the obsession moment moments but he never reacted the way that she did right off the bat when the nimbus 3 incident was brought up well he also learned from his mistake that's exactly what commodore brought up too that's partly because he had spock true you know is the voice of reason is garrett's failing that she doesn't have that voice of reason, or let me put this to you another way. Let's look at another captain in another series. Let's look at Edward Jellicoe, who clearly has some of the same failings as Garrett. You could argue that he's a good starship captain, even if he doesn't work well with that particular crew, but should that be a barrier to entry? I don't think that though that his flaws were the same as what I perceived to be her flaws. Okay. He was very um I'm in command, are you questioning my judgment commander uh type style? Not I don't do anything wrong, don't question what I've done in the past because you're wrong. I don't know if I get that from Garrett. Oh, I got that strongly. I get that she doesn't want to talk about Nimbus 3 again because clearly there's something there, almost kind of like um, the Pegasus in a sense. I think she's hiding the fact that she thinks she did something wrong by being so stern about it. Possibly. Good point. But that that's another flaw for not being a Starship captain. If you well, can't Kirk, face your mistakes and learn from Kirk them. Has, Kirk has his own flaws. He doesn't like to face his mistakes, but yet, you know, he either learns from them or adapts to his situation. There are even times where he just disregards the prime directive entirely mm-hmm. in the original series and does what Kirk thinks is right. It's a very interesting point. I don't know if Garrett should have been given command, but I 
I also don't know if she's as unfit to command a starship as, say, Commodore Gray might think. I also like the point that um, I forget who was it Kirk who brought. Yeah, it was Kirk who brought up the question. Um, do you think the fact that you are female should be reason for you to be captain? Or it's not worded that way, but right, right. And her answer, I liked Kirk. Kirk's response to her answer was that wasn't the question. Um, it, it is very interesting, and and you got to wonder: Am I doing it right now? I'm bringing up things that a different candidate, I might not have a problem with them being so steadfast in their belief that they didn't make any errors uh, during the Nimbus Three incident. It's a very, very compelling argument. I think. I think that the one quality that Garrett might lack is one that Kirk has gained rather well by this point in Star Trek continues, which is humility. Yes. I don't think she possesses much of that. And I don't know if Kirk possessed much of that in the early parts of season one of TOS, but she doesn't have that circumspect sense of self I think to, well, it's almost kind of like the same problem that Chris Pines Kirk has in the first two Star Trek films from JJ. Yeah, that's a, a very, very good similar similarities, I think. I think one of the things that made me not want her to get command of a vest, of the vessel, and this is a, this is a positive compliment to Claire, is that she made that character easy to dislike, I think, because but, of the way that she acted around but, everybody. She also made Garrett very easy to like at the end. There's redemption right. there. With the, with because the she gives a Kirk-like speech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You expected her to kind of pause in the middle of every sentence, too. Yeah. 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 You know, she, she talks about maybe it's, you know, the time for a woman captain or, you know, maybe, you know, she talks about change. She talks about, you know, maybe there will be a, 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 a woman named Garrett at in command of you know of a ship someday, maybe even the Enterprise, and her character, I think, does get some redemption. But I still am on the fence as to whether or not she should be given command at this phase of her career. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if we uh, see or hear about Commodore Garrett, uh, Commander Garrett, in the future. Agreed. I um I think that it's a character that deserves revisiting. And maybe we'll get to see that. I hope so. Yeah. Hey, one other thing, Bill, I wanted to throw out. I know we have some other things to talk about. I wanted to throw out huge props to our good friends, uh, John Champion and Mary Zawinski, for their roles on the bridge and on the hood. They were awesome guest roles as well. We talked about the other guests earlier. It was so great to see them in person during the episode filming. And then in the episode itself, it was so cool to see John Champion in command of the Enterprise. I can't even say that straight faced. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he didn't get to sit in the center seat, though. I am working on my impersonation of him looking at the camera and going, go. <laughs> <laughs> it would only have been better if he'd been able to say, we're from Starfleet. We don't lie. <laughs> so it was great to see them. It, you know, it was also uh, great to see both Hannah and Casey as dead people <laughs> aboard the hood. <laughs> And the blooper with them smiling. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> um, so let's wrap this up. Give me your overall thoughts of uh, of what's episode eight, seven, seven, seven. I believe embracing yes. the winds. What an amazing job of tackling a very difficult 
topic. We are, I'm not going to get into political discussions, but we're on the brink of a very interesting uh, moment in U.S. history right now with the presidential election coming up that we have our first female who could become president. And I think this episode tackles the idea of, of, that women should be able to do whatever they want. And I think the whole idea of what took place in the 60s and Turnabout Intruder and all the way up through the decades is just ridiculous. This episode tackles that. It explains it in a way that is you can go, okay, I can understand that because back then you didn't have reasoning. It was just the way it was. They tackle that perfectly in this episode, and it can be an uncomfortable discussion, but they make it enjoyable to watch. I think that... This episode looks to right a wrong that was originally set forth in 1969. And I think it does so in a way that's respectful to the original series and the original content, but also forward thinking enough to adapt for today's society. I think that your uh, allusion to the current presidential race is spot on. Mm -hmm. I think that it makes a great statement about leading in the 21st century right and whether or not we as a society have made all of the changes we need to make i think that it says a lot about that you know i think that commander garrett is a great stand-in not just for female starship captains but for women everywhere who were facing this same struggle even in modern day society whether it's in business or in politics or what have you I think that there's a lot to be taken from this episode um, to adapt into our own mindsets. There's a lot of stuff to mine here, and I think that it's it's really well done. On, on top of that, the B story is handled equally as well, and I think that what we have here as a whole is a wonderfully well-rounded episode and great character drama and notes throughout the entire hour. Yeah, I, I I couldn't have said it any better. One of the things that I love about Star Trek Continues, and we've had discussions with Vic about this, is he has always had a plan for what he wanted to do with Star Trek Continues. And I think that he is able to throw in pieces of this story arc into each episode in a way that makes us just want to see what's next. Um, the Hood is a perfect example of that. What is causing this? What are we going to see next? And uh, you can't say enough about about how they put these episodes together. Well, Dan, let's uh, let's answer the question we normally answer at this phase of talking about you know fan productions is embracing the winds Star Trek. I think that this episode is the perfect example of is this Star Trek? It's right up there with Lolani in my mind in terms of of making a true Star Trek episode. So 100% yes, this is Star Trek. I have to agree with you. This absolutely is Star Trek. It um, it shows how time can evolve. And I think it does a great job of, of trying to right the ship, both figuratively and literally. Um, so let's do something different, Dan. If you had to give this a rating, you know... What would you give it? I would have to say I'm going to give it four and a half out of five Hawkmen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. <laughs> of course, an obvious reference to Hawk from season two of Buck Rogers. Yes, yes. How about you, man? they went aboard the Searcher and made it much more like Star Trek? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I shall echo your sentiment. I'm going to give it four out of five space vampires for the best episode of Buck Rogers ever. Oh, I like that reference. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go watch that now, I think. I've got the whole series on DVD. <laughs> I do. It's great. I, uh, there's just, give me more Aaron Gray. That's all I ask. Yeah, she was so great <laughs> in that series and in this episode. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen Embracing the Winds, please treat yourself. I think it's an episode you're going to enjoy. I think it's an episode that's going to give you something to think about. Mm. And I think it's an episode that treats the subject matter incredibly well, and there are lots of real-world parallels. Absolutely. Dan, we're continuing to ask people to subscribe and review to Trek Geeks on iTunes. And in the process, folks could win themselves 25 bucks to Amazon. That doesn't sound too shabby. I think I'm going to go send a review right now. Can I do that? Um, no. Oh, okay. But if you haven't reviewed <laughs> Trek Geeks on iTunes yet, the good news is you still can. And what we'll do is we'll enter you into a drawing for a $25 Amazon.com gift card or the equivalent amount in your country's version of Amazon.com based on exchange rates. It's really simple. All you have to do is go to trekgeeks.com slash iTunes and get all the details. But suffice it to say, we're looking for your honest and true ratings of the podcast. We don't want you to just go in and give us five stars. I mean, that'd be great if you did, but we want to make a better podcast. I think that's safe to say, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. And as, as always, we want to thank all the people that have already done so. Uh, we love getting the feedback. Uh, can't thank you enough for it. Uh, whether it's positive or not so positive, we want to hear it. Like Bill said, we want to, we want to make a better podcast so that y'all come back and keep listening. <laughs> y'all? <laughs> Did I just hear a y'all was, in there? I was down south for two weeks, man. I'm sorry. Florida is not the south. <laughs> I will be in the south. That's true. You will be, yes. In Nolens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for more details, that's trekgeeks.com slash iTunes. We would, of course, be incredibly horrible people if we didn't thank Five Year Mission for letting us use their music in every single episode of the Trek Geeks podcast. We can't thank those guys enough. They're amazing. They just played a great show with the uh, Adler Planetarium in Chicago for Adler After Dark to celebrate Star Trek's 50th anniversary. And, of course, it was so great to see them at STLV. Uh, please head on over to fiveyearmission.net and download all of their albums and keep an eye out for year four coming sometime. I know they're working on it. I love that. I, I, we're so excited. We've got uh, all kinds of alarms going off here again. But i got to say, Bill... We loved we love five year mission so much. We do. But I did watch an episode that made me kind of think about it, about them a little bit more the other day. No uh, I'm not sure. You know, uh, one of the band members used the orb of time oh, to God. actually travel into the past because he was told that another band member was actually a collaborator during the occupation. Can you believe that? No. Oh, wrong sparker than the night, man. Check it out. Wrongs farker than death or night or something like that. Wrongs farker than the night. 
don't know, something like that. All right. Okay. <laughs> clearly, um, clearly an episode that stood out in your mind. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> yeah. So fiveyearmission.net. Go get yourself some great tunes. Uh, Dan. Why don't you give us a preview of what's coming up next week? Well, it actually ties to a previous Farkism that we did not too long ago before our break. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Fark Trap, I think is what it was. Right. And then you had a special viewing of the Man Trap on the actual 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Uh, so we are going to dive deep into the Man Trap next week. We're going to talk all about it, man. Uh, salt Vampires yes. galore. Next week on Trek Geeks in episode number 77. Wow. I know. Our two-year anniversary is coming up pretty soon in January. I can't even believe that. I know. Tell me about it. Well, Dan, uh, for more great Star Trek discussion, we should tell everyone to check out our friends at the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com. And, of course, for all the latest news on everything Star Trek, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode. This has been episode seventy-six. This has been episode seventy-six of Trek Geeks. We do hope you all live long and prosper. I agree. After all, it's the twenty-third century. Embrace the coconut. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Bing-bong! Hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah, well, you know, two-week vacation from you, and now I'm sitting back in the chair, and it's kind of disappointing. It's a choice you made. <laughs> Hi, buddy. Hi. <laughs> Did you miss me? Hello? <laughs> and you are? <laughs> it's good to be back. It is. I'm sure it is. So I got to tell you, for the last week, we have had a particular theme song in our mind and, and and been vocalizing it everywhere in lines at Disney, just randomly as we're walking down a sidewalk. We're driving down the road one day, and there's this big sign that says, if you're having trouble, call FHP at star whatever the number was. And I look at Sue and I go, what the heck is FHP? And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh. Florida Highway Patrol. And she goes, yeah, FIPS. <laughs> and I'm like, FIPS? <laughs> like chips? And she goes, yeah. I go, was that the theme song that went, dan, 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 dan? So she looked it up on YouTube, and sure enough, it was. So we play that theme, and then the rest of the week, we just, like, randomly start singing it in the middle of anywhere. It doesn't matter what <laughs> ride. We did it in the middle of Pirates. Yeah, we had fun. Just randomly, random weirdness is always a good thing. Your face is random weirdness. I thought it was always weird. It's just random weirdness. Wow. That's that's great. Gra uh, uh, okay. Are we done? <laughs>
I was done with you years ago. You just keep coming back. It seems like I missed a lot watching what was going on over the course of the two weeks. In a way, you did. Mm. I know I missed you. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, I'm. I missed you too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, a lot going on. I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of the stuff. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, there was. It was busy. Busy. But, well, thank you for that concise <laughs> report. But I, I will be busy because I now have 6,084 pieces of Star Trek to put together. I thought that was only 3,000 pieces. But I have the Lego thing, which is 3,084. Oh. <laughs> so I've got a 3,084-piece Lego to put together. Oh, I'm sorry, Mega Blocks to put together. And the 3,000-piece Star Trek puzzle, which depicts all 79 episodes in the picture. That I got for my birthday from my mother, which I was freaking out over. 